Welcome to episode 620 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 620 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. I've just had uh, the Philinator make me some bacon and eggs for breakfast. Jeez. And uh, so I can't complain, Bevan. Jeez, you've got it sorted, haven't you? You have got it sorted indeed. It was his birthday yesterday, so he didn't have to do it, you know. He's, he's had his day of uh, birthday shenanigans, and today he's back on back on task. How old's the Philinator? <laughs> Philinator is 42. Oh, jeepers, creepers. He's getting up there. He'll be aging mm. up soon. Aging up. Uh, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And Jombo, you can start with the first one. Chris, the combustor, Apple. We've got... Pre- Wah! Jen. And Ian Powerhouse Robertson. I say, Brett Chan. That's one of my favourites of all time. It is. Just because... You're going to... Two weeks' time, Bevan, you'll be meeting him. Oh, nice. Game on. Game on. Yeah. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a, a camp rundown. We've got some interviews with a lot of the athletes on the camp. Hopefully, John's got more than one interview. Uh, we've got Wanger of the Week and questions and the answers at the end. So, Jombo, the big race that we had over the weekend was the Challenge Championship race. And in the men's race, it was a pretty exciting race. I actually watched bits of it. Oh, yeah. I saw. I, just, the good thing with the coverage is they, uh, they've left it up there. So, yeah. like you. I got up there this morning and just and watched a very little, a few little bits, but I've got to say the coverage was um, really like the, the tiny bit that I saw was really really good. Yeah, it was really good. Tell you what, mm. Lionel Sanders is running technique. It looked like he's limping the whole time. How does he run that fast? Yeah. Seriously, how does he run that fast? He ran a one ten, so the yeah. the championship is a half distance race, and he runs a one ten. And if you see his technique, like you you think he's limping along, don't you? Yeah, what a machine. Um, so really impressive performance because he you know lost some time to uh, Sebastian Keenley. Keenley was leading on the run. Sanders caught him back up, passed him, and uh, went on to to win. So thirty thousand euros in the pocket, which is good on him and well deserved. So very impressive race. So he did a twenty nine minute swim, two fifty nine uh, no uh, one fifty eight on the bike and a one ten run. Uh, and took it out from Sebastian Keenley and Florian Angier from uh, Germany. So, you know, whilst they call it the championship, and it was, it's a good field. Um, it's not championship got, level yet, is it? Yeah. You've got uh, Maurice Clavel there, who's, who's a good athlete, Anthony Costas, Michael Rayler, Adam Bowden. So it's more like a good half Ironman field than a what do you call a championship. Uh, obviously, though, the, the top two were pretty handy. Well, the thing I liked about it was – because Sebastian took the lead, Lionel took it back, then Sebastian took it back again shortly, and then Lionel took it back again. And the thing I liked about a race, it was one of those races that really just came down to who wanted it the most, you know, because mm. it was just pure. The, the ability was pretty close. They both fought to the death, and, you know, obviously Sanders got there just before the end, but um, just a good fight, you know. And that's what you want to see in racing, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and then uh, Keen Lane went and dropped an F-bomb in the post-race interview. Oh, I didn't see that, did he? 
Yeah, so he had, you know, he, he was, he, the, um, Michelle Vesterby was, was doing the, it was a co-commentator and she was doing the post-race interviews and yeah, he dropped an F-bomb. He's like, how the hell can I beat this guy, he, Sanders? He's just so tough. You know, he says so often you get into races and eventually someone cracks, you know, and it's not, you don't always have see people cracking, but he says, Sanders just does not crack, you know. He is—he's gonna basically kill himself uh, to to get every ounce of energy out of himself. So um, it is back to the back to the drawing board for Keenlay. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a trouncing or anything like that. But uh, he lost time to, to Sanders on the run, and he can't outbike him. Or he normally won't outbike him. And, and these days, Sanders is the uh, swim's improving, but he's still he, this time he was two minutes down or a minute and a half behind Keenlay. Because it was a, a non wetsuit swim, so um, well, yeah. The other, the other thing as well is that first of all, that's a really interesting concession, isn't it? Because you know, like most athletes are going to play their cards, their cards pretty close to their heart, and you you might normally just say, "Oh, well done, he had a great day," but you wouldn't concede this guy can't crack. You know, it's almost like you're seeing your competitor as Superman. And I remember Gordo once said, "You know, the guy in front of you is not Superman." And in some ways, what's the mental barrier to Sebastian moving forward? when you look at your athlete as a guy who will never crack, you know, that's a really mm. interesting thing to think about. Um, because before the race, I watched the pre-race interviews and both of the athletes said, this is their A70.3 for the year. So they both turned up, mm. you know, in what they would consider their best. So pretty interesting stuff from Sebastian to kind of talk that talk. But, you know, Lionel did it again, didn't he? Did. And the girls' side, there was some very impressive racing they as well. run by um, Anne. Uh, Anne Haug. She's been done this several times now. She's a former ITU girl. I think she is going to really threaten uh, some Marinda Carfrey's Ironman run records when she when she you know comes over here. Potentially, it kind of depends how she handles the heat. She's very very small, so very similar to Marinda Carfrey. I, I would imagine potentially even smaller. Uh, so she should be okay in the heat. But she ran a one fifteen fifty six. Unbelievable. Uh, and you look at the, t- the you know uh, Keenlay ran a one twelve. Sanders ran a 110, and the third place guy ran a 117. So she was uh, mowing down the ground to Lucy Charles. Lucy Charles did hang on. You know, she put in a respectable run, 121. Yep. Uh, she, she's not known for her running pedigree, so that's solid day at the office. But yeah, Anne Howard, 115. Geez, she's going to have people shitting their pants uh, when it comes to going. I need to have. It's. It's. You know. I need to have. 15 minutes on her coming off the bike at Ironman, just in case. So, Has she qualified yeah. for Kona? You know what? No, she. I'm sure she has because she, did, she did an amazing run split. I think it was at maybe Lanzarote or something. I think she probably has. Okay. You you, you may be talking just about a couple of the other girls there and I'll, uh, I'll look at so the So Lucy Charles out. took it out in a time of 4.06. She did a 26-minute swim, a 2.12 bike, and then a 1.21. Then uh, Anne Haig took a... Did a 4.07 in a 29 swim, so she lost a few minutes on the swim. Uh, 2.16 bike, and then that 1.15 run, which is just phenomenal. Then we had Radcliffe, I'm going to say, how do you say that name, John? I'm going to say, wait a second, I'm going to give it a try. Volklik Kova. Volklik Kova? Um, Vidakova. okay, there you go. Um, 4.11, and then she did 2.15, and then a 1.22 run. So pretty close racing in the girls' race, but, uh, you know, Heather Wirtle didn't really deliver on the day. Uh, Kimberly Morrison, made a few other names in there. Again, this race is a quality race that has a you know a couple of good athletes at the top, but I don't think they're calling it the championship. They really need to do something to attract that next level 
like if we look at Kins this weekend, which we're going to talk about soon, you're seeing a, a championship field now. Kins is really pulling a quality field, particularly in the men's race. Uh, so we, you know, challenge. I love what they're doing here, and I think it's a great concept. They just need to get that next level of athlete to give it a bit more credibility. So Anne Haug at the moment is currently sitting 50th in the rankings. She's not done an Ironman uh, in this year's uh, round. I don't know if she's done one or not. Anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if she's doing Ironman uh, Germany. Uh, she's uh, did Ironman Bahrain 70.3 and Dubai 70.3. So she's, she'll be accruing some points, and uh, we'll see where she goes to from here. Okay, we also had an Ironman Philippines happening over the weekend, and John, she's a pretty tough race, I reckon this one is, because when Cam Brown just gets under nine hours and runs a 3.01, you know it's a tough day at the office. So I can't remember if Cam Brown last week uh, posted a picture of his head that had been severely damaged. Something oh, had, really? Uh, had been something taking something out of an attic or something like that. Anyway, he had this cut on his uh, the top of his head. It was ginormous. You know, it was probably you know five, to, probably ten centimeters long and probably like a centimeter across. It was wow. huge. Uh, so I think he did really well to to get through the race. He didn't really say that it was uh, too much of an issue, um, but his comments were he was uh, going pretty good uh, up until about halfway on the run, and then uh, kaboom, he uh, then it got hot and he and he just struggled to finish. So I think he got within about forty five seconds of the lead. Uh, and then um, struggled, to, and he managed to, to hang on to second place. So, so, so Nick Baldwin took it out in a time of 8.50.30.13. He did 55 swim, a 4.45 bike, and then a 3.03 run. Ken Brown came in the second at 8.56 with a 55 swim, an 8.53 bike, and then a 3.01 run. And then Simon Coltrane from New Zealand, he got third in an 8.58 with a 58, uh, sorry, 51 swim, a 4.54 bike and a 3.07 run. On the girl side of things, Lids Blatchford, Dojo Domination. Oh, no, just mm. under Dojo. Isn't no, Dojo under. 20? Yeah, just under. It is 20. Yep. So she came home 53 swim, 5.03 on the bike and 3.19 on the run. So, you know, pretty uh, a pretty good performance by her when you look at the, the guy's time. She was only 32 minutes off the win and uh, behind Cam Brown, you know, only 20, 25 minutes. So pretty strong performance by her. Dimity Lee Duke um, has come back. Remember, she pulled out of Ironman Texas in disgust at the drafting that was going on. So she finished in second place, so good for her. Simone Mayer in third place in 9.47. And we had another 70.3 in Germany, which we just kind of lightly have a bit of a talk about. But Jan Fredino took it out from Patrick Langer. So by a good couple yeah. of minutes, by quite a bit of domin- domination, really, six minutes. Six minutes, yeah. So that was just being mentioned over here during the the seventy point three that they were going head to head. You know, the previous champion versus the current champion, and uh, yeah, Fredino uh, did the business. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about the girls in that race? Can you pull up the female field? Let me have a look here. Pro men. Have they updated? The, have they updated the app, John? The Not- app is really good the mobile app is really good now Uh, i haven't used the website um in the last day or two but uh the the mobile app is really really good okay laura phillip took out the girls race so there you go um jombo coming up this weekend we've got ken's john i'm not there for the race and now i really regret not doing being there for the race i leave at 12 o'clock that afternoon and uh a bit of an error on my ways i have to admit um but big news is gomez is doing his ironman debut at Ironman Kens this weekend, and it's a great field. You know, like we talk about championship, we've got some some good athletes there. 
which is going to make it a really fascinating race. This is a very, very, very strong field. So on Torsten's rating, uh, it's got a 35% of a typical Kona field, but you've got so many. I mean, you've got your your, your likely contenders, but it's, this is a deep field. So Terenzo Bozzoni is expected to come in in first place on uh, tryrating.com's Torsten's rankings. Uh, Tim Van Berkel, Timothy O'Donnell, David Dello, Mike Phillips, Braden Curry, Luke McKenzie, Cam Worth, Kyle Buckingham, and Nico Laros, Tim Reed, Callum Millwood, and then uh, you go down to the uh, num- number one. He's got the number one bib, Javier Gomez, having not done, even done an iron distance race. So, Matt, the, the Clayton Fatel, he'll be out there spanking it early on. Uh, this is a seriously strong field. Well, the thing I like about it is it's a bit like a Kona race in that we've got a diverse range of abilities and styles of racing. So, you know, obviously Gomez, you're going to think he's a complete athlete, but... Um, you know, you've got you've got your blooming Luke McKenzie there, who's going to take it on the bike. You've got, you know, it, it's going to be a really kind of fascinating day to see how it spans out. Terenzo, he's been dominating in the last period of time, but this is that next level test, and um, it's just it's got the, the you know the ingredients for a pretty great race. Ah, oh, it's going to be so interesting to see. Firstly, how Gomez handles 180k bike ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine he's going to sit in with the, the group by and large uh, and and really back his run um, because, in theory, he should be able to outrun all these guys pretty damn comfortably, even if he doesn't have his most amazing run possible. Uh, so, yeah, it's exciting times. Also, you know, really important for a number of these athletes to, to get their, their tickets to Kona. So Braden Curry, who's a you know very strong Kiwi athlete, he's had a bit of bad luck. He had a bombed out in Kona last year and yep. then uh, was sick at Ironman New Zealand. So he's essentially got bugger all points, and um, and he's he, he really you know remember if you win this race you get an automatic slot to Kona. If you get in the top couple, you're probably going to have enough points anyway. But he's going to need a, t- a top three performance here to to make sure that he's going to have enough points. Mike Phillips needs to top up a few points as well. Um, Tim O'Donnell, kind of ironic that they live in Boulder and Boulder's on the same weekend and they've decided to come down to, to race in Cairns. So it is going to be a good race. And equally, the girls' field is is really strong as well. Marinda Carfrey is coming back. Um, you've got Sarah Crowley, who was on the podium in Kona. Teresa Adam from New Zealand, who had a very strong Ironman New Zealand. Beth McKenzie, Anya Berenek, who's been um, in the top five in, in Kona, as has Asa Lundstrom. Uh, so girls field, not quite as big, but um, some very big names in there. So, yeah. And, 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 and again, it's normally you'd say, well, I think Miranda Carfrey will probably take it, but you know, her seventy point three form has been okay, but yeah. this is going to be a big, te- big test. Just go back to Terenzo. Uh, you know, one thing we've seen in Terenzo in this last period of time is his ability to win races and be, and, and perform at a much higher level and consistently. <laughs> Particularly in Ironman, like seventy point three has always been pretty great. But one thing we saw as he was a younger athlete was kind of the ability not to trust. He'd always take a pretty high risk on the bike and it would often blow up. Now I wonder with the pressure of having like a Gomez there, which you're going to argue he's a much better runner than Terenzo. Um, if Terenzo can put his best run together, you can be close. But will that pressure make him, go, you know, I'll be interested to see the maturity of Terenzo in this race against when you've got a field like this. You know, like we've seen some great results and I think he can back himself to another level. And, but he's also come off a pretty big training block. It's just going to be interesting to see the maturity of how he races this race this weekend. Yeah. 
I, th- um, I don't think he'll be pissing around on the bike. I think no. they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll. Obviously, you're not going to go out there and nuke yourself. And when you're in these, but he would do that in the past. Like I mean, New Zealand a few times, mm. he'd ruin his mm. run. Mm. But yeah, no, I think he'll he'll uh, they'll they'll push the bike, but not not silly. I mean, nobody knows how Gomez is going to run. He might be sick or injured, and then if you go and uh, nuke yourself on the bike, thinking I've got to get rid of Gomez, then it could be race over for you. So uh, yeah, that's that's the that's a cool thing about races like this. You don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a pretty awesome day at the office. Um, and then also we have Andrew Talansky. Now I don't know who he is, John. So Andrew Talansky is a former pro cyclist who okay. was on the Garmin Slipstream uh, team. Um, he's probably been on other teams as well, but he was a, a, a very strong rider. So, uh, you know, top top ten sort of Tour de France level. So sort okay. of you know not 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 top five, but sort of top ten. But w- winning winning races, winning stages at, at different events. So you know top tier cyclist, and he's turning his hand to triathlon to see what he can do. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what his swim and his. Uh, Runner like because he's gonna he's gonna be um, strong on the bike obviously. But the interesting thing with this race it's Ironman Boulder, and no disrespect to the guys that are racing, it's a it's a B level field. When you contrast this to say Cairns, it's like night and day. So yeah. it's a, it's a five on Torsten's website. It's a it's a five percent of a typical Kona field. So it's your second tier athletes going for a win. So it's definitely feasible that he could potentially win this race if he if he can swim and run i don't know anything about a swim and run but there is a potential that he could you know go and spank the bike put 15 plus minutes into the field and if he can do a three-hour marathon that might be uh might be enough to get him through John, where you, have you got the um points graph up still i have it's just really interesting tim o'donnell is the defending champion and he's chosen to go to australia and I know, you know, they've got a family, so maybe it's a family choice I've made around this race. Um, but it's, it's still quite interesting, isn't it? You think a defending champ, you know, pro athletes who are in couples, I'm sure they have weekends where they separate to race. It's really interesting he's chosen to go, you know, being the defending well, champ, you think there's some prestige. And, there's, you know, now obviously this race is worth a lot less and there's probably a lot less race points here. So to win this, but if Tim O'Donnell turns up here, you'd say he's got to be the favourite. Yes, uh, and I, I suspect because I'm scrolling through the rankings here, and I can't see his name coming up. So, so I wonder well how. Yeah. You know, there he goes. He's 70, 76th in the rankings. So the Ironman World Championship last year doesn't have what place he finished, but he got a only five hundred and sixty-five points. So okay. he needs points. Uh, is is the reason why he's going to do this race? Because if he if he won in Boulder, he'd get two thousand points. So he'd have roughly three thousand, which probably wouldn't be enough. Uh, so then he'd have to go and uh, and race again somewhere else. But you've got to remember that the ethos of a lot of these these guys is, you know, they they want to be racing the best athletes. It's mm. not always about going and getting a cherry pick and and winning a winning a race. It's about I want to go and test myself against the best athletes. So, yeah, but as a pro athlete as well, you also got to say for his financial earning ability of sponsors, mm-hmm. winning a local race in Boulder is probably a lot more valuable than getting third in Kins, if you know what I mean. So it's it's an interesting thing. But, you know, he's a contender at Kona, so he needs to get there. So if he thinks that's the best path, well, that's probably mm-hmm. why he sees it that way. Any other kind of random events that are happening, John? We have got a couple of other randoms. We've got uh, the Alpsman coming up in Annecy. I remember looking at this race last year. Beautiful part of France. Uh, plenty of climbing. You go over the Semnos down there. You've got the Schloss Triathlon in Germany. It's a great the, name. And the Cheju International, um, which has been a really long-standing race in Korea. 
Okay, last week's discussion, we actually forgot to mention it on the show. John sent me a note going, why have you put it on Facebook? And I was like, because we forgot to talk about it. So this week, we're going to talk about this discussion. What's the discussion, John? Okay, so the, it is going to be a few weeks ago, we were saying, what have been some really annoying things that, say, race organizers have done that you're still really dark about? Uh, this time, we're going on the, the flip side of that, and we're going positive. So what have been some of the best innovations or changes, modifications, you've seen race directors make um, or the sport in general that you've gone that's a really good change yep. can it be can it be anything like you know good change like for example at the Christchurch Marathon so I did the voice work that's why I sound a bit crusty today I did the voice work at the Christchurch Marathon Swanee Noah was there didn't have the greatest day he was a little bit yep. sick he was telling me before the race he wanted 113 and a half I think came about 116 so still not, not too shabby but um, one thing they do is that in the marathon throughout the marathon they have a 100 meter sprint and it's sponsored by mm. ASB and anyone every 15 minute block they have prize purse for a 100 meter sprint now my auntie who's a very very recreational runner she did it and she won 300 bucks so obviously because she was in the slower <laughs> part of the field but it's it's you know if you're doing a marathon it's not wise to do the sprint but it's something fun that's added to the race and it kind of adds a fun dynamic and you know people win prizes from it Stuff like that, uh, that's included as well? Totally. And uh, you know, another example might be, you know, at the Kona 70.3 we had at the weekend, they brought in a, a rolling wave start by age group. Just just thing, anything like that or or something amazing. You've got a you know, race bag and uh, that's made your race uh, a hell of a lot better. But basically, yeah, any little innovations um, the sport's made that you think of that, why haven't they done that earlier? Nice. The funny thing about innovations like that too, John, is once somebody does it, you really do have that moment of, why has nobody ever thought of this before? You know, like mm. a really good innovation. It seems so stupidly obvious once it's been thought of, but until that moment, often you don't see it. Okay, so that's this week's discussion. John, we're going to, we're going to talk about the, the camp. So let's do a camp wrap-up. Camp wrap-up. So that, yesterday, the prize giving um, for the 70.3, Andrew Messick was uh, there, and I think he was actually racing as well. Um, but he got up there and, and sort of echoed what I'd been saying a couple of weeks ago, that it's really we've got to get the, the word out there that this island is not uh, it's not a catastrophe. There's a very sh- a small area that's absolutely smoked. You guys have heard me go on about that, but um, no, yeah. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but the one thing I would say is that the the fog is uh, so the volcanic um, sort of fog is worse than I had anticipated. But um, that's because I think they had a big uh, about some sort of explosion a few days ago, and that has been. Yeah, worse than I anticipated. But there's no, well, no, I'm not going to say there's no. There's a very, very, very minimal chance that maybe Iron Man wouldn't be on, but I think it's like 1%, whereas people are probably sitting at home thinking, oh, 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 is Iron Man going to be on? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much open for business over here, and uh, we're good to go. So um, it's also, we've got a couple of people that are going out today uh, on a boat. You can go out on boats from the other side of the island um, in a place called Hilo, and you can go out and you can actually see the lava pouring into the sea. So they, they had some of that on the news. It, it, it did look quite dangerous, but, you know. <laughs> Apparently, you do have to sign a few waivers before you go out on the boat. Well, that's America in best days. Um, yeah. so, 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 so fundamentally... We don't see any problem moving forward in this year. 
we don't see any problems. Um, so yeah, just a, just a bit about the camp. I've had a number of the athletes say that I don't necessarily plug this camp enough because uh, and and sometimes when people think epic camp, you, they think oh, I need to be of this crazy high standard. But you know we had quite a wide ability of athletes on this camp, ranging from sort of nine hour athletes through to some athletes who are around about fifteen hours. So pretty much if, is, main thing when you're thinking about trying one of these types of camps. So this is an epic camp light. It's not the full Monty is you just need to be ready to do some some big training and, and that's what people did this week and as per usual everybody got to the race and we had some amazing performances um, despite doing a really really big week of training so the way we run the camp is we do on the first day we do like a swim bike run quite a long day um, as, as it is second day we ride the Ironman course third day we have a, uh, a swim and a run from the energy lab Fourth day this year, we, we changed and uh, rode up to in between the two volcano, uh, two not active volcanoes, Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. And uh, my God, it was blowing a howling gale really? up there. And there was a lot of climbing. The guys stood around 2,700 meters of climbing. And one stretch, uh, oh my God, they were just flying. The old Philinator loves this downhill and uh, he was moving pretty quickly. So finished at YPO Lookout, which is a beautiful place. So I'll give a plug to. One place we had for dinner at the Fish and, the fish and Hog in Waimea. It was a sort of shack, pubby type place. If you're ever in Waimea, go, I think it was the, the Fish and Hog. Really cool, rustic food, and just you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's a cool place. So if yes. you're in Waimea, Fish and Hog. Um, and what you you saw in, Be- in, in Rote, Bevan, is the camaraderie you get on these camps is really, really cool because – a number of people said, right, we're going into the race. Normally I turn up at a race and I might have my wife with me and I might know two or three people. Yeah. Over here, you know, we had 20-odd 20, 20 um, people going down to the start. Everybody's sort of giving cheers out on the course and uh, and it makes just the whole vibe going into the event, you know, it builds a bit more excitement and you can learn a lot off each other as well as the support crew and the coaches and stuff. But it's um, people love that aspect of the race. Yeah, camp. it's so it's, it's to me one of the most you know, even when I think back to when I was kind of seriously racing and doing epic camps then, you know the camaraderie you make is you know something that kind of stays for life. You know, like I remember mm. seeing Brandon Del Campo and and the Quirley Freight Train in Ancona a couple of years ago, and it was just so cool to catch up with these people you've gone through this really wicked experience with. Like it's such a cool part of it. And and the thing, what athletes find on these camps is you just break through some barriers and you. A lot of them go. There's no way I can ride an iron distance ride, you know, 100 mile, 100 over 100 miles, 180 k's, and then two days later, back it up with roughly another 100 miles. And they're going, shit, I did that, and yeah. then I did a half Ironman, and I did really, really well. Yeah. So it's really good at opening your eyes on on up on what's possible. Um, some really cool things about being over in Kona. A couple of the highlights we had. We we, we went and swam the Ironman course uh, one day, and as we're coming in, there's just dolphins for Africa, and everybody not not everybody got to see them, but a lot of the crew was swimming through dolphins, wow. and they can't they come within you know you, you can reach out and touch them if you really really wanted to, um, you, you shouldn't, um, but they come that close, and uh, things like that are amazing. We did this other swim, and I had a turtle swim directly underneath me, you know within a, you know arm's length again. You certainly do not touch the turtles over here, or you have bad karma for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, so those are a couple of the cool things. We're pl- planning on coming back next year. So the race, yesterday after the race, everybody was just coming in buzzing. It's just a really different race. You've got um, a beautiful swim. 
Uh, and then you've got, you get to ride, you know, the middle part of the Hawaii Ironman course, the main part out to Harvey and back, which is the, where the winds normally are. It's, it's challenging, but it's not stupidly challenging. And then you've got a steaming hot run where you run all over golf courses and golf paths. You're always something different, very, very difficult run. Um, but then at the finish, you know, they've got bands, they've got the bands playing, they've got the hula girls doing, there's entertainment on the whole time. You actually get some decent food. You get a food ticket and you can go and get a burger and you get a few beers and stuff all included. So they do a great job with the race. Nice, nice. And, and good results? Everyone, everyone went well? Good results, solid. So we had uh, a number of athletes on the podium. Uh, so podium, remember, not that I agree with it, but it's still on the podium. If you get the top five over here, you get a, a salad bowl and you're, you're, on, the, you're on the podium. So, um, yes, we had... Uh, Hopefully I don't forget anybody. We had uh, Diane Keltonager. She got on the podium. I think it was fourth place. The Philinator, despite doing you know about an average of two hours training per week for the last uh, six months, he managed to run himself into fourth place, which nice. was an exceptional result. Uh, we had uh, Susie Thomas. She finished second in her, in her category. Dr. Feelgood, Dave Dwan, he was fourth in his category. Nice. And Pete McLeod from Christchurch ran himself up into – uh, fourth or fifth as well. So we had a number up on the stage. Which and we had a local girl, Christchurch um, runner and a triathlete take out the women's race. Fiona Crombie from Christchurch won overall. Uh, so yeah, all in all, can't complain. Now I've got to give well. got, got to give some love. Uh, as I said, the Ironman app is really really good now. It was really really good yesterday. They had quite a few timing points, and I was sitting out on the course. And even though it was a rolling start, so you, obviously when you're running along, you're not quite sure where you were really easy to filter by age group and I was giving easily able to give people feedback on where they were in their age groups. So thumbs up for getting a good app. The mapping feature worked really quite well. So I was sitting there and I could see where people are on the course. So nice to see that. Uh, the rolling start, again, a lot of people uh, were mostly positive about that. And this year they did have very, very good conditions in the race. I do have to have a little bit of a rant here, Bevan. Is this about the roll down madness? There's a couple of things. Okay, here we go. I, so what we did, uh, we dropped the athletes off at the at the race, and I had to bring the vehicle back, and then I was going to run back to the event, which is it's a split transition, so I didn't want to bother leaving the car down there. And so it's about a 10K run. So I'm running along, and uh, the race is underway, and I'm running along the Queen K, and as I get closer to it, then the first athletes start coming, coming along, which is all grand. But then the start of this course is you're going up a hill. So you swim down the beach, you have to run up to transition, you grab your bike, you run out of transition, and then it's a climb up to the Queen K. Nothing crazy steep, but you know steep enough that you you need to be ready for it and prepared. Standing on this hill, and I could not believe what I saw. The number of people in their big chain rings struggling to get up this hill. I I thought right. I I'm, I almost went over and said sorry. You're out of the race. You, you're such a stupid thing to do. You're such an I'm not, idiot. I'm not standing. I'm not standing for it for stupidity like that. You're out. You're out. And, and, and then I was thinking maybe we could transfer this across to drafting if we had some, you know, citizens, uh, police citizens out there on the bike. And if you're under a citizen's arrest. Sorry, you're out of the race. I don't care if there's no draft marshal, you're out of the race. You call yourself a triathlete. You're ashamed to our sport. I kid you not, I reckon 20% of the people that I saw going up this hill were in their big chain ring. I even saw one guy going up there struggling a bit, and then he shifted into the big chain ring. And he had to, And I'm thinking, did you idiots not actually ride down this hill? Because you had to go down the hill to get there. It's an uphill start. I 
could not believe my eyes. <laughs> Unbelievable. So. I, I like the idea of citizen's arrest. Um, mm. I think it'd be quite controversial, uh, but interesting concept. What, what else? What else? What else you want to rant about? Well, this isn't so much a rant. This is quite entertaining because if we recall back to was it last when was it when I raced last time? Uh, no, I, anyway, one stage when I raced over here, I forgot to take my swim skin off because when when I raced over here, I put on the long I put on a long sleeve skins top. So you're coming out of a swim and you can grab a little bag just near the swim exit and you're putting on your top. And by the time you get to the bike, uh, it's bloody hard to put on a long sleeve top when you're wet. By the time you get to your bike, you're like, whew, got that done, and I forgot to take my swim skin off. And people remind me of that all the time, <laughs> all the time. And uh, and so Phil basically wears the same top that I wear, long sleeve top. Twins. He did really well with his race. He goes up. He sees me riding along, uh, running along the Queen K because he was in the first wave, and he goes, shit. Forgot to take my swim. Oh no, he did the same thing. So I'm not the only one any longer. So it's uh, it, maybe it's a, a maybe it's a sign of our lack of intelli- combined intelligence. Well, I didn't want to uh, say anything, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> third final thing. This isn't a rant. This is advice. Is roll down. Uh, uh, it's a rant, and then it's advice. So I'll go bad and then good. So at this race, there was uh, slots for the 70.3 Worlds in South Africa. And they kind of need to do something about changing the system here because it's, right, first place uh, is so-and-so. You taking a slot? No. Second place? No. Third place? No. Sometimes they would just roll out of control and it took forever really? to, to get through that. Um, so they kind of, I think they kind of need to have a bit of a, a change in system there, especially when the, the, the location is not as desirable. If it was in America, the slots would be going like that. But when it was in South Africa, you know, the first three age groups, I don't think anybody took slots. It was crazy. But the thing I wonder, John, is why can't they be determined when you enter? Yeah, that's the thing. I think you you, to, to, you don't always make up your mind 100% before, but you have a tick box. You go, I am definitely not going. Yeah. I'm maybe keen or yeah. I'm definitely keen. And then and, they can get rid of you know, 50% of the people. And then you could go, once the race is done, you have – I don't know, three hours to confirm if you're going, you know, like mm. you could do, you know, there's ways around these things, isn't there? Mm. So that was one side, but then on the positive side, and this is the tip for the day, they had Kona slots. Yeah. One slot per age group. Now, per these six. slots went, per, per, yep, and, and these slots went very quickly. A couple of them rolled maybe one or two places, um, but most of them went first place, took it, and that's why they, they were here. But what happened, they went through all the age groups, and then they got to the 80 plus men. And so, say for example, you're 45 to 49 men, your slot goes, people are just leaving because they go, okay, it's all, all done all done and dusted. And they got to the 80 plus men and there was nobody in the category, but that allowed for a slot. Oh. So there was one slot that got reallocated into the pool and it went to the 50 to 54 men. Why, why the 50 to 54? Don't know. Maybe that was the most popular age group in terms of the number of people. So it went back into that age group and all the people had left. And so it started rolling, 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 rolling. Got to seventh place. And Louis Di Giuseppe oh, really? got a slot. Oh, he was in stuff. tears. He was, he was high-fiving. Has he done Kona uh, before? He has. But uh, I think, as I saw his wife posting on Facebook, I think it's going to be his 40th Ironman. Uh, oh. And it's a 40-year anniversary in Kona. So Louis Di Giuseppe uh, got a slot. And also for... Camp athletes that have been on other camps, if you know Marissa Rastetta, yeah, yeah. she's got a roll-down slot as well. She's been trying for 15 years to wow. get a slot. 
and she's got lots of seconds and thirds and, and got beaten by ex-pros and just missing out here and there or got injured and she got a slot as well. So that was fantastic. Oh, that's so cool when you see people like that who have been long-time lovers of the sport, you know, get that kind of, kind of experience. It's pretty great stuff. Um, I'm, I'm curious about why they chose 50. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, wouldn't you just go the next fastest age grouper? I don't know. I, th- I think in general it, it, it gets redistributed to the to the highest proportion yeah. of um, of athletes. So, so your yeah. so your so your tip is hang around to the end until you know the good slots are gone. Don't leave. Absolutely. There we go. You should... Right, I'm just doing a really quick stats test. It was not so much a stats testic, but earlier in, in the show you heard Sebastian Keenlay got beaten by um, by Lionel Sanders yep. in the race, and I thought. Sebastian Kingley going to turn into one of those athletes that's he's just been yeah he's one Kona which is fantastic but I kind of got the feeling God he's had a lot of second and third placings is he going to be one of those guys that was fantastic athlete but he just came along at a time where you get all the, a few freaks coming yeah, along like totally. he's going to have Gomez he's going to have Frodo and is he going to go down as as one of the greats um, <clears throat> but I, and I, so I quickly looked up his. Um, his record, and it's better than I actually realised, uh, his Ironman record. Maybe it's more 70.3s where he's been tipped out a bit more. But uh, looking at trysplits.com, he won Cozumel last year. He won Frankfurt last year, uh, fourth in Kona, um, second in Kona the year before that. He won Frankfurt the year before that. And we've got to remember, Frankfurt is, you know, that's yeah. a scary, that's, you know, that's your, your, your second biggest race of the year. Uh, the previous year, he was second in Frankfurt, and he won Ironman World Champs. The year before that, he won Frankfurt. Uh, so whilst I don't know if he's going to get another Kona victory, uh, I do still think he'll go down as, as one of the one of the greats. Well, let's be honest. If you kind of win Kona, you go down as one of the greats, don't you? You do, unless you're a, unless you're a one-and-done a one sort of guy. Like, I don't think Freddie Van Leer or Pete Jacobs will go down as one of the greats. Um, yep. But I think Keenlay will because he's, he's had a, a fairly long career. You know, his Ironman's rate started in 2011, and he's and he's still going, well, so it's only six years, but he's been a consistent performer, so we're always talking about him as opposed to, say, Freddie Van Leer. Um, he's had a really good career, but... Uh, not as many dominating performances. So this goes back to the argument we had around, or the discussion we had around Cam Brown. And at first we were very dismissive because he hadn't done that well in Kona, although he got some podiums. But And then we kind of turned around. We actually said, you know, the guy is a real legend. He goes down as a great. So if you do you go Cam Brown versus Freddie Van Leer? Mm, that would be, a, yeah, a tricky one. Maybe we've got, we're a little bit biased there. And yeah. maybe I should look into Freddie Van Leer's career as well because he has won some other big races. Remember when uh, that uh, Abu Dhabi race and that Abu was when, that was a that was when there was a stellar field. That was a big race mm-hmm. to win, and he came out of nowhere in that race. Mm-hmm. And he's won, you know, won he's won lots of iron distance races. Sometimes in really dominating fashion. So you probably don't give him the credit that he's due. You know, if he went to France and wins by fifteen minutes, or I know I think he's done Austria and won by fifteen minutes um, when they're not close races and they're not sort of championship races. Maybe he doesn't get enough credit as uh, perhaps he's due. Mm. Jumbo, let's do a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. We've uh, we've been over here. I've had all the athletes this week on uh, Extreme Endurance and always get lots of good feedback. So if you're going into a camp or you're doing some big block of training, get your Extreme Endurance. And also I would encourage you to try the, the protein, delicious flavor. 
It's also gonna it's gonna enhance your recovery. And uh, so while you're there, get yourself some protein, get yourself extreme endurance. A lot of you guys have got uh, big races coming up, so if you want to get that extra few percent from your a, from your A race, but also make sure you recover from your build up races, get on it and remember the promo code IMTalk20. A, it gives you 20% discount, and B, it tells them that uh, that they know that uh, you're a listener of the show and that their uh, their investment in us is uh, paying off. So get on it, xendurance.com. And as I said last week, if you're doing something like John's Camp or a big training block, it's the perfect opportunity to get on Extreme Endurance because if you can turn up day in, day out in a big camp and actually do quality training, it makes a massive difference to the results you're going to get. So check it out, xendurance.com. So John's been working his butt off doing thousands of interviews so we're, we're going to put yeah. all the the camp interviews that he's got on right now so here we go i've got i've got three done already so uh if it's more than three i've uh, i've had a busy day okay here we go here, here we go okay epic camp light kona 2018 is done and dusted and as per usual i've done zero interviews during the camp but we're on our post camp dinner we've done the 70.3 well no what not we the campers have done the 70.3 this morning and one of our athletes that's going to be departing tomorrow morning uh, is James the Red Rocket Thomas uh, who's been over here on the camp and he's had his wife in tow as well so James uh, tell us a bit about your no, before we start tell us a bit about your sort of level of ability uh, on the triathlon front and uh, and where you're from and just a Tensy bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Van- well, I'm from Vancouver, but uh, my accent is Welsh. So I've been in Vancouver 22 years now, and my ability, my best Ironman, 12:01, best half 5:40, but that has slipped in the last few years, and I'm trying to recover it. And today, in what was epically perfect conditions for Kona because we were all terrified of the heat and the wind and everything it was as good as it would have got I did a seven and uh, I'm happy with that so coming into the camp you know you've done uh, you did the road camp last year so what were your expectations of a the camp and, and, and then b the big island and how did that sort of meet reality I've raced in what I thought was heat, but until I've come here, it's just unbelievable. The, the, the heat, oh, it just knocks you sideways. And the, well, the wind knocks you sideways, but the heat just crushes you. And I think there were two days we did 120, 140K rides, and my average heart rate was 103. I just had nothing. It was awful. What about the course? You know, you rode, you rode the Ironman course on, on day two of the camp. Um, what did you think of that versus what you've seen on TV? Um, I always kind of had dreams of maybe winning a lottery slot or outliving anyone else who was going to qualify. I, have n- I, I really have no aspirations to race that course. It's just insane. I don't think I'd finish. I don't think I'd finish. I'd have to, I'd have to do something. It's just the heat. I just don't have the heat in me. It's just, yeah. And what about day to day on the camp? You know, you had a few challenges. One day when you were out swimming uh, on the the Ironman course, you know, you said, "I'm tired," and oh, I told you just keep swimming. I was tired because the, we had dolphins. Yes. Yes, and you were like, "Go over there. There's 300 yards away. There's dolphins." I was like, "I can't see any dolphins. I'm going that way," which was back to the beach. And within about 50 yards, we had spinner dolphins acrobating over us. 
from 10 feet away. It was just fantastic. No cameras or anything, but it was, that was memorable. That was memorable. I'm tired, as if I'd say that. <laughs> so what have been the, the, the things you've most enjoyed about the camp? Oh, the early starts, yeah. <laughs> the six o'clock starts, yeah. You, if you're not training, you're sleeping. It's just, it's just fantastic. It's just a camp full of adults all away. We're all at seven. Can we go to bed now? <laughs> last, last night in our unit, I was sitting there watching some Netflix at seven o'clock and everybody was in bed. I was like, what the hell? Um, what have been the biggest challenges for you? Um, the heat and the climbing. I'm not a climber and this has shown absolutely that I'm, I'm not a climber and I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it other than climb more but it, it's never helped to date. And would you have any tips on dealing with the heat if you're not a heat person? Well I think you've done as much as you can getting, you know, you've had a week over here. Um, what was I going to, else was I going to, just, just talk us through the, the race here, you know, in terms of the 70.3, it's an awesome course, um, but just sort of talk us through your impressions of the, you know, the swim, the bike and the run and, and how you found the day compared to other half Ironmans you've done. The first thing I'd say about this race is it felt like an Ironman, <laughs> it felt like an Ironman. The swim, it looked really short from the beach, you see, oh there's a boy there, there's a boy there, yeah, but when you're in the water it seemed to... Seemed to be a little further than, than it looked from the beach. Um, they, they know how to do hills here. They know how to do hills. And we didn't have strong winds. But the heat started to pick up when you were at the top of Harvey. And that knocked me sideways. I was doing good up until then. And then it knocked me sideways. Uh, Harvey, you doesn't look like they're climbing when you watch the race. And that is, a, you have to climb down, Harvey. Harvey is as much a climb down as it is up. And absolute respect to not just the pros but anyone that races and completes that that course it's just intense we we went on the energy labs uh three days ago four days ago and we did like 12k and it felt like you were running through a, a sauna and it and it wasn't that hot <laughs> and it was near the end of the day <laughs> um and the run to the, the golf course run uh we were given all these terrible stories about how awful, awful the grass was John was telling us that you know it's fine it's fine actually the paths were worse because they were these insane little golf cart paths that were really undulating and steep and the grass was fine so it was it was a, it's a it's an incredible course and your, your wife's been over here just checking things out she had a good time yep we're she's been a camp widow mostly but um, she's she's helped out a bit and uh, next week we're stopping off for a week on, in Maui on the way home. So I'll be paying for it next week. Yeah. yeah. And what's on the radar for the rest of your season? Well, six weeks from now I'm supposed to be doing Whistler, which has even more climbing than I've seen this week. And uh, it's 2,500 meters, because they changed the course and added three sets of climbs instead of one climb at the end. And um, that's gonna be interesting, yeah. Fantastic. Well done on a good camp and uh, it's good to see you being uh, trooping your way through the course today. Recommend Epic Camp to anyone who uh, cares to try it. But it's a lot of work. It's not, as they say, it's not Epic Tiddlywinks. It's not, it's not easy camp. I say that on day one, it's not easy camp. But we had athletes of all abilities on this camp, ranging from sort of nine-hour ability all the way through to sort of 15-hour ability. But as, as James said, if you're prepared to work hard, there's a place for you here. Cheers and kikaha. Nice work.
Okay guys, so if you've seen our fantastic uh, I Am Talk kit uh, floating around the world and myself racing in it, lots of other people racing it and also the World Triathlon Store, we've got uh, Rob Flynn here who helps us out getting that out to you guys and he's sitting here in a beautiful I Am Talk t-shirt which is great uh, and Rob's been doing the camp this week. So Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and your sort of your ability and uh, maybe why you, you wanted to come and do the camp. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I live in, I'm English, I live in Vancouver. Um, probably been a triathlete for about eight years. Uh, today I was a 5.40 half Ironman athlete and um, I wanted to come on the camp for a couple of reasons. Um, I'm training for a, uh, a half Ironman at the end of July, um, but also uh, seen so much of the camp and uh, yeah, very proud to see everybody wearing the gear and uh, rather see their name on a, on a computer, I'm happy to see them in person. Now you, you did give me the shits, uh, I think it was like two days before the camp, I asked everybody to post pictures of themselves on, on Facebook, so we got a sort of a headshot there, and Rob posts this picture of this bloody gashes all over his body, so tell us a bit about what, uh, what happened to you a few days before the camp. Well I thought I'd make a wise move and arrived here on the Monday before the camp starts on the Saturday. Um, and on the Tuesday I rode the Honu course and uh, it went pretty well, better than today. And um, 300 metres from my condo, a gust of wind blew me into the lava, so a whole bunch of gashes over all of my body and uh, three or four days uh, looking at these gashes every 10 seconds, hoping they'd be ready for the weekend. And talking, talking through the camp, you know, you, um, you're one of the faster athletes in the crew, you had to keep up with the old fillinator at times. Um, how hard did you find the week uh, relative to what you were sort of expecting? I mean, my, my whole goal for this year has been to try to complete the camp this week, basically. And uh, I've been training probably on average six hours a week. And um, um, I was surprised. It really, really opened my mind into what's possible. Um, having ridden the Ironman course and uh, after Phil pulled me uh, home the last 40K, I said I'm going to name my next child Phil because uh, <laughs> certainly owe him one for that. But... Um, I was very surprised I could back it up uh, two days later with a seven hour ride uh, over the top of the island. So, I mean, the camp's amazing because, um, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to do either of those without three support uh, crews on the course. And the camaraderie between every single level of athlete on this course, uh, um, yeah, there's always someone you can compare and contrast yourself to and everyone's going through the same... Uh, the uh, same, I guess, mental considerations while they're out there. And, um, yeah, it's really helped me um, perhaps see what's possible in training in a way that I hadn't thought before. You know, I've been doing the classic 10% build for each week and this, that and the other, and then uh, to throw sort of three weeks of volume into one week and come out of it, uh, uh, yes, yeah, still moving. Um, yeah, it's been very, very useful. Thanks. Um and what was, uh, what was the most challenging part of the week for you? You know, Was there a particular moment where you thought, bloody hell, or, or, or any sort of breakthroughs that you had certain times during the week? Um, I was at, well, you know, I couldn't swim, and uh, watching everybody do these beautiful swims um, was very challenging. Yeah. Um, but that aside, um, yeah, 190K is my longest bike ride in my life, and... Um, I struggled through the last 50k and uh, you know, I keep having to tell Phil to take 10 watts off every time. 
I mean, for a non-drafting race, uh, you know, six inches all the way back for the last 50 k's. So that was challenging. Um, but the real breakthrough was perhaps the longer ride two days later when um, yeah, able to settle into my own pace. And uh, although that ride was seven hours, I knew from four hours into it I was going to make it and uh, gave me a lot of confidence. And um, it will change the way I train a little in terms of uh, pushing myself going forward, I think, yeah. Now today your race, you know, you said you felt uh, you're a bit flat, but you had some really good you know, mental breakthroughs in terms of, okay, I feel a bit flat, but you're actually able to, to keep the pressure on all the way through the race. Were you, were you pleased with perhaps how you raced the race, not necessarily the speed you had, but were you pleased with how you raced the race? Yeah, I'd say uh, I've somewhat, dis, you know, given, given the training relative to what I've been doing, perhaps not unsurprising of my time, so I'm somewhat disappointed to be you know, 10 or 15 minutes slower than I thought I'd be, but um, I was very pleased that once I started riding, I was perhaps 10% below my, my target watts, but I figured, oh, well, okay, if this is where it is, this is where it is, and I'll just wait for it to come around. And I was able, I was able to maintain that, that power for the entire bike ride, and um, yeah, I didn't give up. Sort of, perhaps with sort of, you know, 20K left, it sort of came around a little, and yeah, perhaps I have some tired legs. So I thought well there. And then when I was running, it was a matter of, it took me a long time to feel like a runner. I felt like a guy with tired bike legs, but uh, in the second half of the, uh, of the run, um, I had a lot, lot better form. And uh, you know, John's advice to all of us was, no matter what you've got with 5K to go, um, I want you to go for it. So. I did, and that was probably my fastest 5k of the run. I skipped the aid stations, and um, yeah, that proved a point to myself as well that you know sometimes you can just get it done. No, it was very pleasing to see you because I, I was out there on the course uh, trying to do little snapshots of people, and, and when you went through the first time, you looked okay, but when you went through the second time, I thought, shit, there's not many people that actually look better on the second lap. So I think you did did really well there. Um, what's on the the radar for you for the rest of the year, both on a, I guess on a working front and and uh, and racing front. Uh, I'm lucky now because we have some uh, some employees in Europe, so they'll be covering uh, all the WTS races there and the ITU Multisport Champs. I have a summer with the family, which should be nice. I have half Ironman Whistler, and um, when I get back, I got to uh, place all the orders for the um, ITU World Champs Gold Coast. So. Um, that's the next big thing, and um, yeah, look, looking forward to it. I think um, yeah, this week will certainly. I mean, in the past, as we head towards uh, you know some of those those bigger merchandise events, I've I've taken off my training, but uh, this week perhaps give me some encouragement to uh, make it a slightly longer season for myself. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we've got, so guys, check out the, uh, our store on imtalk.me. Um, you always hear Bevan raving on about the size of his uh, chamois that he loves, and uh, we get lots of positive feedback uh, of uh, how happy people are with the, the gear. So check it out on the imtalk website. Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Great week. Next up, we have uh, Mr. Sausage, Ollie Jenner. Uh, and uh, an interesting fact, fact of the day, is uh, there's a strong correlation 
between massage therapists and sausage makers, as we found out this week, which is kind of, you kind of might be think is a little bit strange. And the reason I put this connection together was uh, Ollie, the reason he's got Mr. Sausage is because he used to make sausages in France. And then we've got another massage therapist over here in France called Juliet. Um, I'll give her a plug next week. I think it's Body Fix, I think it is, uh, her business over here. But if you're coming to Kona and you need a good massage, check her out. All, everybody's raves about her. She's absolutely fantastic. But I was helping her unload her vehicle the other day and she had all this stuff in the back and I said what the hell's going on here and she says every weekend I go off and uh, sell sausages at the market so there's a correlation there. Ollie, any idea what the correlation is? Is there any other sausage makers out there? Well, there's got to be a few hasn't that? but it's all muscles isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you know you've done a few camps now, you've done uh, Epic Camp France, you did uh, Rote last year in terms of um, supporting and, and also doing and then this time around you were doing the same again, you were doing some of the training, you were doing um, lots of massage and then participating and you've been around the sport for a while, um, so what, did, what, what do you make of Kona? Oh, I loved it, it's um, my first time to the Big Island and it's somewhere that I've watched for a long time uh, with the world championships here and uh, to actually come and experience the course and ride well we've ridden the whole route over the last week um, and run parts of it as well and swum the course so to experience that's been real dream come true. What about what about the athletes Um, you know you've done France where we've got some pretty hardcore you know a lot of Kona sort of level athletes Um, maybe just contrast uh, what you kind of see on this camp versus, you know, for this camp we had a lot more middle of the packers. We did have some very good podiums, which was fantastic. Um, but a few more middle of the packers, a few back of the packers, and a few front of the pack. Um, much of a difference in terms of um, what the athletes were going through? Yeah, I think without the yellow jersey competition, then that makes a big difference because you know, it takes that sort of com- competitive element away from it. Um, there's still been some good performances, I think, throughout the week. Um, people have really dug in especially with the weather um on the windier days uh, it's been hard work for them out there but uh i'd say that in general the the standard uh, has been really good this week it's been funny because we had almost no not, not all the camp but probably two-thirds of the camp was injured coming into this camp and only one maybe two had issues on the day so Kind of funny how people's bodies seem to fix themselves when they do. Because Ollie's a, um, what, what do you call yourself back home? You're a physio in New Zealand. Rehabilitator, yeah, sports rehabilitator. I am back in the UK. Um, What's the difference between that and a, and a physio? Uh, and, and maybe just contrast because in, in the states they're called different things. So wh- where does it, where does it all sort of fall in line? Yeah, it's a tricky one in the UK. Um, you have there's lots of different. Um, types of therapists out there um, and there's a big crossover these days so you might get a a physiotherapist who practices acupuncture you might get a sports therapist again who is acupuncture trained um, so that although the the base training um, for all of them is a similar length of time it's a three years uh, degree it's a uh, yeah. There's, it's really difficult for people these days to actually know what they're getting, uh, what type of therapist they're going to see. Tell us a bit about your your race in terms of your expectations and uh, and and how it actually delivered. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with my race overall. I um, I had a good swim. Um, I biked well, um, but I haven't had the 
haven't put the work in on the run really and I'm a pretty big guy so it's uh, it's pretty uh, hard work for me out there when it gets hot uh, so yeah I was uh, happy with the swim and the bike and uh, the run is to be improved. <laughs> you avoided the down trail? <laughs> Only just yeah. <laughs> run, run us through your splits. Uh, so I swam 35, bike biked 248 and then around a 226. Oh, about 20 minutes to spare. Um, and for you, you know, what's been the maybe couple of highlights of the highlights of coming to the Big Island? Um, the people have really enjoyed meeting uh, Dave here as well because obviously, obviously heard a lot about Dave over the years uh, with uh, him doing the support crew on this camp. Uh, so it's been really nice to meet Dave, work with Alan and Annette again, um, and catch up with a lot of old friends who uh, who have come to do the camp. What about uh, training-wise, or uh, you know, the highlight in terms of actually being out there on the road? Uh, the highlight for me was um, riding the Ironman course when I did. Uh, uh, I took a group to start from Scenic Lookout, and then we rode up to Harvey, and then back down again. And uh, it wasn't a sort of super tough day, but it was. Um, yeah, it was amazing for me. It was sort of one of those pinch yourself moments, and you you're riding up and thinking of all the legends that have ridden along this course in the past. Very good. Well, Ollie's going to be back with us in rights. We might catch up with him again. Um, so thanks, Ollie, and thanks for your support on camp. Thanks, John. Okay, next we have a man who he seems to have, well, he got given about a million nicknames this week. One was mainly from one person, Sarah Blair. She was calling him Biggles, Air Force One, um, so I don't know, squadron leader, all sorts of things. Uh, so we've got David here, and he's just going to tell us a bit about where he's from and what he what he's up to, and uh, and where he sort of sits in the athletic spectrum. In the athletic spectrum, I suppose it has end stops. I would consider probably I sit at one end, not not necessarily the high end, but um, uh, yeah. Hey, um, great camp first of all. Uh, been a fantastic week. Um, so my name's David. With all the kind of Sarah's nicknames. Um, you might be able to uh, ascertain that I'm in the military. I'm, uh, I'm British. I'm in the Royal Air Force. I'm actually on loan to the Americans for a while. I've lived in the United States for a few years. I currently live in Florida. I'm uh, 48. Very much uh, wouldn't necessarily consider myself uh, an athlete mm. um, because it's kind of hard to balance that work-life. Um, it's hard to mix up that work-life balance. Um, I'm a single father, young boy, uh, full-time job. So I know you talk a lot about, um, you know, the differing demands on age group athletes. Uh, I guess I'm, you know, definitely one of those trying to balance, um, you know, a relatively demanding full-time job. And then my son's eight. Um, so kind of, I mean, you and I spoke on the camp. I was a bit trepidatious, if you like, about the volume. Because mm-hmm. um, all of my training happens with, um, you know, on the trainer. You know, I have a kicker. I use trainer road. I got into that stuff from hearing them from you guys. Um, you know, so kind of three, four times a week, you know, eight o'clock, eight thirty at night, it's it's on there for an hour or two and some movies. Yeah. Ne- Netflix is my friend. Yeah. Um, what can we? Uh, uh, is there much you take from your working life and your in your training that is really transferable for you across to racing, whether it be the mental toughness you guys go through, I guess, with your your training early on. Is is there much that you can transfer across that maybe we should uh, try to learn a little bit from as, as athletes ourselves? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually work in a training environment now, and, and um, 
you know, there's all the pithy kind of Instagram statements you could say, you know, dig deep. And I remember mm. you shouting at me in the in the in Hell's Kitchen, you know, dig deep, yeah. leave it all out there. I mean, all those words are great. Um, but I guess, I mean, I, I should say, you know, I'm 48, so I've I've been in the military for kind of you know 20, 25 plus years. Um, and I guess you just, I'm of a type that you know, it's quite comfortable being uncomfortable, even though I'm not fast. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm having a hard day, at least I can keep going. And I guess that's a trait, not that it's special because any endurance athlete, you know, you, Phil, any of the people on the camp here push themselves hard. And I, and I can't remember where I heard it, but, you know, I did hear once of a comment from a pro, which is just, you know, we still hurt the same. Mm -hmm. it, it just, we're out there going quicker. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it's just that. So I, for me, just discipline, um, you know, and being comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess for new athletes, it gets a little, it gets sore sometimes and it, it hurts mm -hmm. and it's uncomfortable. If they can just mentally absorb that a little bit, it doesn't matter how fast you go. You know, there's some people on the camp here who are real, really quick, mm -hmm. people who were not so quick, um, but everybody had to dig in, you know, and I mean, uh, the likes of Lee and Paul, you know, uh, Paul being injured, but absolutely toughing it out. And, and I have the utmost respect for people like that. I think it's awesome. Now, you're commenting um, that it was one of your better runs uh, over here. You know, you're a bigger guy, and I'm not saying that you're a porker. You're just, you're, you're just tall, and, and maybe you can tell people what your, your stats are. Um, but you said you had a, a good run, and you didn't explode, and it was one of the first times that's happened. Um, maybe just talk us through why you think that you did have a good run, and just tell us uh, your sort of size so people can get a perspective of uh, what, you, what you're at. You're saying my bum looks big in this. Yeah. Bum looks perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. That's a lovely thing to say. Um, yeah, so, so for the listeners, I'm six foot four. Um, I'm currently about 88 kilos, which runs about 193 pounds. Um, so I'm not, you know, fat. I'm tall, broad-shouldered. Um, you know, everyone can get skinnier, but, uh, but I do like pizza. Pizza night on a Friday with my boy, so that's good. Um, yeah, so this is my third 70.3, and I've done them all in the States. You know, my, my history was um, uh, mainly doing kind of Olympics and sprints in the UK. I took a, a bit of a gap um, a, a number of years ago. Um, my wife got ill. You, I know you and I have talked about this. The reason I'm a single parent is, you know, I'm a widower. Um, and so whilst I've been in the States, I've kind of been trying to do a couple of those bucket list races. And, and some of those 70.3s are those races, especially this one in this camp. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, I don't want to market you too much. but Yeah, you do. No, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a great camp for anybody listening. It, outstanding. Especially, you know, I was trepidatious, like I say, but it's been great. But um, so in the two 70.3s I've done prior to this, it's been hot. I did one in San Diego, the Super Frog, and I did one actually about three weeks ago uh, in Gulf Coast in Florida, which is only about an hour or so away from home. And I have temperature redlined in each one. And it's and found myself in the run just broken. Um, and it's not been so much aerobic fitness or maybe strength because I've tried to, you know, ride to those power numbers. I know you've done various interviews over the years of, you know, how that 70 to 75 percent of your FTP. And obviously I train with Kicker and Trainer Road so that that helps me know those numbers. And I, and I have power meter on my bike. Um, but I've just temperature redlined. Um, so this time I, uh, I kind of took a I took a good hard look and my aim was to try and run steady even if it was slower than I'd like. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so the way I did that was ride sensibly, and this week really got me um, acclimated to Hawaii. Okay, I live in Florida and it's hot, um, but but the conditions here, you know, the potential of having to fight the wind, it does bring fatigue. And it wasn't a hugely windy day, but there was definitely wind out there. That climb up to Harvey, I, I now know what it's like. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and when I hear you guys talking in October when, for, for the world, it'll be awesome to kind of picture that. Um, but I, I kind of rode in within myself. So I, I swam with a swim skin and just a, a two-piece um, tri-suit bottoms. Um, put a cycling jersey on, protect my shoulders a little bit, give myself some pockets, and be able to zip it down when I need it on the climbs. Um, and it's a kind of a small ring, you know, small derailleur at the front, mm-hmm. pedaling it out at cadence, as you know, but, but obviously people who haven't done it don't, and I didn't know until being here. And then the run, I put a separate top on, hat, glasses, and then I actually ran with one of these kind of camelback insulated bottles in a little hand carrier. And people often would look, I guess, and go, you're not going to run particularly quickly. But for me, at every aid station, so I ran. I haven't practiced kind of run, walk. Um, I, I kind of ran and I set myself a, 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 an achievable pace. And I filled that kind of half with ice and, uh, and then just topped it with water at every aid station. I would take other things but not put anything else in there and not gulp down water because I guess as we've all probably experienced you get a little bit sloshy in the stomach if you drink too much, even if you're trying to cool yourself. I'd obviously, John knew some kind of technique of lots of ice, lots of water. Go slow through the aid station. Try not to take too long because, you know, 10 aid stations in a half marathon, if you take two or three minutes, there you go. That's time, you know, you could cleverly and find other places. Um, and that, that camelback, I just kept, um, I wasn't drinking lots of water, but spraying it in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, spraying it on the back of my neck so and I remember you talking I think it was like Rasmus Henning and I've heard other physiological interviews that you guys have done about um, you know uh, the hand and the wrists um, I was spraying water on there just just from the bottle just a little spray a little spray in my mouth a little spray on my neck um, and kind of steady state running and it seemed to do the trick this time I also took this is the first time I've really done this for a race um, I took salt tabs because I'd read some studies about uh, de- dehydration and, you know, you've got to keep your salt levels up. And obviously that taste of the electrolyte drink sometimes gets a little bit, well, especially when it's warm, it's not wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of majored on water, uh, energy from gels and the salt tabs. Whether that's the, exactly why, I don't know, whether it's a mix of all of it or some of it. Um, but it seemed to work for me for a hot race. Plus I but you just need to market the camp again. It's, it all comes down to the camp. We had you perfectly prepared. <laughs> um, was there something else I was going to ask you about? Yeah, just in terms of you know the the rides we did. So we had two. We, the first day was a solid warm up ride. We we did. Uh, it was pr- pretty hilly. We did a couple, you know, sixty odd k's in the hills. Second day was riding the Ironman course. Third day we didn't really ride. We just rode into town. And then the third and then the next day you rode. Um, <clears throat> about 140 k's with lots of hills and I think you were saying it's, it's the longest ride you've done um, and you're saying you're, you're a bit uh, anxious coming in did, did, did the, did, uh, was your anxiousness warranted in terms of um, how you got through those rides and, and how well you survived um, yeah I mean it's, it's I won't say oh no it's all fine it was easy because it, yeah. it wasn't these are challenging days I mean it's not was it you said to me um, it's it's not Tiddlywinks camp it's Epic camp I know it's Epic camp light but uh, it's cool um, 
obviously I'm never riding outside again after being kind of <laughs> doing some gymnastics on my bike after mm-hmm. having a, a, a little car incident. Um, Yes, they are long. Yes. I, I feel very, very lucky to have ridden the Ironman course, like the whole course. I, I loved that day. And it was definitely a day in, in some mental toughness. We saw some athletes here on the camp who, you know, are very well prepared, very um, experienced 70.3 and Ironman athletes, you know, who had like hard days, you know, and needed some help. One thing I would say is that is the pit stop so that the crew that you have here and i i mean, I, mean I, know, I know we thank them every day but they're awesome and it's a really good setup and again it's another advert for the camp um but i think it it doing everything steady state and with the support and with the support of the people on the camp um it it was all doable and, and you have moments where you're like oh, i just i don't want to pedal anymore I, I wish this was over um but of course they come and go and i and i think you know, we've seen that again in, in multiple interviews across the triathlon and endurance world of people, you know, saying everybody has black moments. But it was really great, and and everybody in the camp. And again, it was another, like you say, not not anxiousness, but you know, there are people here who you've interviewed before, people who are regular campers. You know, a lot of people from the Canterbury area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as a, as an outsider who knows none of you, I came in, and and everyone is uber uber supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I thought it was the whole thing was great, and um, I mean, you know, Trainer Road helped me out there. So uh, if they're listening, you know. <laughs> yeah. just give them a couple of months uh, complimentary subscription there. That'd be nice. Awesome. Have you got anything planned for the rest of the season? Um, yeah. So the the next couple of months is um, I have a lot of work commitments uh, and um, uh, trips away and stuff. So I've looked at, and also the, the season where I live in Florida, which is in the kind of northwest part of Florida, it gets super, super hot. Mm-hmm. So the triathlon season, even the local sprint at Olympics, it, it tends to die down until about uh, September time. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to try 70.3 New Orleans, um, which is only about a four-hour drive from home. Uh, it's kind of second half of October. I actually entered last year and was in transition when they called the race off, uh, which was a shame. But it was, you know, I know you and I talked about this. It was the right thing to do. It was horrendous weather. But I did get a taste of, you know, through social media about what people throw at race directors. You know, some general ridiculousness of we could have ridden and two hours later there was a beam of sunlight. It was fine, but it was an awful, awful day. It would have been challenging, um, you know, even if it hadn't been dangerous. Um, So 70.3 New Orleans. Um, and then a couple, a couple of local races. There's another l- local half in Louisiana, which I might like to do. Smaller field might be fun. Um, and then I guess, uh, you know, I talked about bucket list races earlier on. I'm going to try and enter Alcatraz because um, it's. I've. I, it was the first race I did after my wife's illness and an unfortunate, you know, passing. It, and we'd done triathlon together. Um, it was the first race that I really kind of got me back into triathlon. Uh, which is a big deal. And um, I'd like to do Wildflower just as another bucket list. I know you've talked about wanting yeah, to do it. So so th- that's kind of a bit of a, a year-long plan. And then Epic Camp Light next year. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Now it's been good to have you here. And you're a trooper. You kept on going when you got uh, kicked a couple of times. So it was, uh, it was good to see. So well done. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Awesome. As you heard earlier in the show, one of the highlights for... Uh, Mr. Sausage Ollie Jenner was uh, meeting Dave Dwan, who's sitting here with me, and now a 
resident of Hawaii. Unfortunately, they, over here, the 70.3, that this year they have uh, Kona slots, which was, was a one-off. Um, oh, I can't remember what the reason why that was. 40 years. 40 years. Yep, so uh, they had some Kona slots. They also have the Big Island slots that he's not quite eligible for yet, but uh, he's moved out to Kona and living the dream, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that. But uh, Dave, first up, impressions, you know, you've moved over here. Uh, maybe tell people why you did it and uh, how it sort of panned out over the last uh, sort of month or so. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, it's um, been, I've been here two months now. The reason why, I guess, was the first time we came here for Epic Camp Light. I just fell in love with the Big Island. And coming back, and again, it just reinforced what I wanted to do. Spoke to the kids, and I said, I'm, I'm going to put my name in the hat for a lottery slot, which came up eventually. And um, here I am. And it's been great. Miss the kids at home, miss the grandkids, but I'm going back in December for a few things to do and race to Ironman New Zealand. So, so far, the biggest choice I have to make each day is what shorts and t-shirt do I have to wear? And that's as good as it gets. So to, to tell people, like you're, you're about to click over to 65, so it's sort of retirement time anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of semi-retirement. I was working for a SBS Bank in New Zealand, and my boss and I get on very well, and he said, well... Um, because of the financial restrictions now, you've got to have qualifications. And I said, I don't really want to do that. He said, no, so why don't you semi-retire, and which is what I'm doing now. So I'm doing a little bit of online coaching um, here. I'm doing some swim coaching down at the pool most uh, three days a week, doing some work at Lava Java, and um, slowly trying to just build my business up from a Hawaiian flavor rather than a New Zealand flavor. So I'm going to set up um, a limited liability company here, get my tax right, get my insurance right, and I'll be trading as a Big Island Triathlon Adventures, um, offering services for one-on-one -on -one stuff still online, offering um, small camps, not not similar but not the same as this stuff because I don't have um, your pedigree, but I mean I'm aiming at a different market and also looking big market opportunities for Ohana or family market, bringing the, the athlete with their family here and spending some time training and coaching and also spending quality family time around the Big Island. Because that's one of the key things out here. A lot of people come to Kona and they ride up and down the Queen K, which is, uh, that's all good and well. You know, that's the Ironman course, which is great. Um, but on this camp, and, and you'll get to know even more roads, we kind of try to get off the beaten path a little bit. And uh, there's so much more out there. There's some fantastic hilly riding. If you want to go long, there's only so many rides. But um, there are some pretty cool and there's also some cool beaches that a lot of people don't know about. Have you found any, any good spots? Don't you don't give it away, but maybe just give a, some some hints on things that um, that you've sort of discovered since you've spent a bit more time here. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a couple of little bays just north of um, the airport. One in particular, stunning, stunning beaches. Just great to swim on. And another one, I put a little uh, video on on uh, on online the other day I call it Little Harpuna it's just south of where we raced and it's just an idyllic little beach you can you know you no one knows about it and so you just go in there and they just got the whole place to yourself so and on the other side of course is Hilo and well the volcano's kind of screwing up uh, Kalapana but North Waimea you know all the places that we're going to there's a lot of little spots to go to Captain Cook even without a kayak is good <laughs> so um, yeah, if, if anybody's listening to this and you are planning to come over to Kona, uh, get in touch with Dave and he'll be able to sort you out. It's still evolving, but it's uh, it's so much easier when you've got somebody that 
knows the area and takes the hassle out of things so you can just turn up and there's going to be somebody there and they'll sort you out and as you said bring the family and and so on one thing we haven't mentioned is uh dr feelgood made the podium at the weekend and uh managed to get fourth place in the 65 69 yeah so yeah how'd you feel about your race I really enjoyed the swim. I mean, it was perfect conditions, man. Seriously, it was. And the bike, the the bike had a couple of little mechanicals, but I sorted those out. Body was still a little bit under pressure from um, that little bug I picked up. Uh, and the run, well, the run was the run. And thank God, Johnny, you were there because you told me, you know, move your butt, move your butt. This guy's chasing you down. I said, right, here we go. I mean, the time was terrible, but I, I felt really good. It's a tough run. It's one of the toughest run courses you'll ever do. So yes, good day though. Good day at the office. Uh, yeah, because what was happening, and I've got do have to give the plugs again to the Ironman Tracker because it was really helping me to be able to give people feedback, especially on a rolling start. So Dave was sitting at the final turn point. It was a two-lap run, so it was 10.7 miles. He was in fourth place, I think it was, and then fifth, sixth, and seventh were all within a couple of minutes. And so uh, and I figured they might be gaining, and he dug it in and managed to get on was it fourth or fifth you finished yeah, fourth. yeah fourth. fourth another bowl which another is bowl. good yeah we had plenty of salad bowls around here which was good uh for you you know you've done the camp quite a few times any particular highlights for you as we went through the week and both you and i uh vomiting does not count as a highlight that was low light no look it's always the people johnny i mean we had great crew come on all around the world again meeting ollie was fantastic good guy and um people from back from christchurch and I have to say, hats off to Phil, bought me some coffee beans, I got some ginger nuts, and I got some Whittaker's chocolate. So that's, that's a really good highlight. But I think, again, just going to places, seeing people, how they react to things. Like Erin, you know, she did that huge day, got crook, and then came back again. So it's always the people on these camps. And um, apart from the illness, we covered a lot of ground, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And we're about to have any more. We're going to go out for uh, dinner somewhere I haven't been. I mean, that's one we do. I wouldn't say we go on a culinary adventure over here, but we certainly go to lots of different places. We go to Lava Java. We go to the Kona Brewing Company. Went to a place called Day- Daylight Mine last night. Uh, found a great little spot that I think I've plugged earlier on in uh, Waimea. So it's um, cool finding some new places. And uh, Tommy Bahamas today for lunch. So, Dr. Feelgood, how do people, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the, what's the website and how do people find you? I'm uh, still under Fit and Evolving with Dave Dwan, but um, just just look for Dave Dwan or someone or Fit and Evolving, and, and I will be changing the website eventually. But um, right now, it's just business as usual until I get all my new gear organised, which is a prog- work in progress. But um, no, no, still still loving it. As I have to say it's good living on the island. I've got my wee scooter up and down. I let you drive most days to go to work, and I smile, kind of pinch myself. It's it is a li- it is living the dream, but it's 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 good. Good to have you guys here too. Fantastic. We'll be back in October to see Dave. Thank you, Johnny. Have a great day. And we are back, Jombo. Uh, do you want to do Winger of the Week? Well, we can't do Winger well, of the Week now, can we? No, we can quickly do it off our Strava leaderboard because uh, I see a few names in there. Rich Cochran is the Winger of the Week this week for the most training time with 28 hours and nine minutes. But it's good to see a uh, few of our epic campers from over here. Uh, names on the list. Phil Patterson. 23rd place, Eric Burney, 24th place, and uh, I think I also saw Lee Davidson on there as well, and Lee Davidson, she was in 48th place, so yeah, nice work Lee, and I will say, with this Kona 70.3 race, if you are one of the slower athletes, it's, uh, there's so many people out there, so Lee, for example, she was one of our slower athletes on the camp. And normally if she was doing a race in, in New Zealand, 
she'd be probably out there by herself. They'd be packing up the aid stations, and it would be quite a lonely experience. Whereas I went out there uh, to find her on the run course when she had, you know, maybe uh, three miles to go, and she was just mowing people down on the run, uh, and she had so much company out there. So if you are one of the slower athletes uh, and you do want to come and experience it over here, don't feel like you need to be, you know, a bloody Kona contender to do this race. Uh, there was a lot of people out there um, towards the, you know, pushing the the, ba- the boundaries of the, the cutoff times and things like that. So uh, nice work, Lee. She chugged, chugged on through. She had carrying some injuries, and uh, she smoked it. It's awesome. She also had a great race in Kona last year. Remember, it was so, such an awesome thing seeing her coming at the end. And she timed the, she timed the fireworks, didn't she? She basically ran into the finishing shoot as the fireworks went off. You're thinking of somebody else. Am I? Was it not Lee? No. Oh, who was that then? Was are it? You talking Wan- are you talking Wanaka or where are no, you talking? No, when we're in Rome. One of our athletes got in. Oh, Lee. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, you said Kona. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I wrote last year. Yeah. So in wrote when she basically got in the finishing shoot and in wrote they go all out in, this, in the fireworks. That'd be the best feeling out coming to the finish shoot. Just, I've always got that old loop they run around. You come in the loop yeah. and you just. Yeah. It's sensational. Uh, we've got no questions and answers this week, Jonbo, so let's just get into the patrons. Uh, I met a couple of other patrons out there. Uh, John Mincer Muncy. <laughs> met him and his, his wife and his daughter, I think it was. Uh, and he goes, I'm not sure about this nickname. Do you know what it means? I said, Yes, I do. And it's sticking. Uh, so, John the Mincer Muncy was out there. Also met uh, Andrew, I think it's Mystery Man Weston. Um, he, he, he even missed the bus to to have a chat to me. So there's a shuttle bus coming back from uh, the check-in at the transition. Uh, this was the day before the race. He goes, oh, John. And he had a chat and all his teammates and his wife and everything were on the bus and the bus just left. And he goes, I guess I just missed the bus. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we're also a couple of other regular patrons, Douglas Speed Merchant, Patton Johns, and Eddie Magneto Farrell, and Jeremy the Arrow Ramirez. Nice work, Jumbo. Um, sponsors? Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. And if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, you'll see there's a little Patreon link there. Go there, and you can contribute as much or as little as you want, and it just helps us do what we do. You're going to draw to win a free trip to Kona every couple of years, and there's also a gift based on the level of giving. So, you know, make sure you jump on and do that because it really does make a difference to what we do. If you want to email us, you can go to imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? My goss is, it's tidy up day over here, Bevan. So it's uh, Sunday, race day was Saturday. I've just got to get my stuff sorted and we're out of here tomorrow morning and heading back weather forecast in Christchurch for our arrival on Tuesday evening is possible snow showers in the hills. It's good for you. Character building. Character Character building. building. What, what about post-camp? What, 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 moving forward for your own kind of fitness now, what, what are you looking for for the rest of the year? Well, lots of people have been asking me, why aren't you racing? Why aren't you racing? Uh, and and do you, yeah, why are you not racing? And I would say my answer to that is I not, did not miss racing yesterday. I didn't want to be out there just because I'm not in shape. But I do look at it and go, I'm going to kick some ass out there that day. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I'll be back here next year racing. Uh, we're doing a camp. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to build my, my plan is build my running through this year, do some running racing over winter, try to get my running to a good level. And then over summer, start building a fitness and then it'll be Epic Camp France in the middle of next year. So I'll probably be doing this race as a bit of build up for that and, uh, and then just keep building. So my plan for next year is come back here. If people want to come over to do, uh, the Kona camp, 
then we'll be over in France. So if you're um, a slightly stronger athlete and you want an ultimate challenge, that is going to be an amazing trip through the Pyrenees and then still trying to work on getting a, a Tanya Pora camp sorted uh, for uh, around October time and then keep building. And then 2020, the plan is to go to Embra Man and crush it over there. That's right. And what year are we doing our comeback? 2022, is it? What year was that? People were asking about that as well, Bevan. They are saying, Bevan said he's going to do Norseman. You've got to get him to do Norseman. Oh, Norseman. So I'm not doing a comeback. I'm doing the hardest comeback of all time. Yeah, you're on it. I like a challenge. Um, yeah. Any other goss? That is, uh, we had a fairly eventful night last night. It was... Uh, oh, really? We had uh, we had Marisa, dirty little rascal. Yeah, uh, she was being a dirty little rascal, but she was celebrating that uh, you know she qualified for Kona, and she had a couple of nieces come come in with her, and uh, yeah, the party was rocking. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> so it was good times. Uh, but no, that, that's about it, Bevan. What's, so if you uh, saw heads marathon? and legs tonight, oh today, yes, there is. yeah, nice. yes, there is. Uh, we, had the, we had the Christchurch Marathon happen yesterday, which is good. Um, good, good what racing. a surprise, the weather was shit. <laughs> Actually, you know what, for the, for the first two hours it was perfect. So yeah. f- if you're doing the half and yeah. the 10K, it was perfect. It was, it, was, it was warm for a winter day. It was not windy at all. And even though it, the rain did come along, when you talk to people post-race, it wasn't cold, so I don't think people were that upset mm. about it. Um, it was a little bit windy, I think, at one point in the run, but overall, I think it was actually a pretty good run day. Um, mm-hmm. John, my big goss is we've we got the auction this week. Oh. So, I know, I know. The pressure is on. Well, I'm actually not here. I'm, I'm in Cairns when the auction's on, so um, it's a pretty roller coaster ride selling a house, isn't it? It is indeed. I've only done it once or twice. Did you go? Did you do an auction or did you just sell? No. No. no, so yeah, it's John. One day you think you're going to make millions, next day you don't think you're going to sell the bugger. So it's it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And we've had all of our we end up having like how many open homes do we have? I think we've ended up having like 16, 17 open homes or, or visits from people. So it's been pretty full on for the last three weeks. My house has been my house is very tidy at the best of times because my wife mm-hmm. is a very tidy person, not so mm-hmm. much my influence. Um, but it's been stupidly tidy for the last three weeks. <laughs> but uh, so when we're in Cairns on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, I'm in Cairns on Thursday, so the auction's at 12 o'clock. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's just such an unknown. So fingers crossed it goes well. Uh, and then Cairns, and I do I do regret not staying one more day now. I kind of think that was a bit foolish of me not to just stay one more day to see the race, but oh well, so be it. Um, but I, I might try to pop along Saturday to the media conference if I can, um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll probably watch the swim because I don't leave till like afternoon, so I'll get along and see some of the race. But yeah, other than that, it's go see, I get to see my daughter, and I'm pretty excited about that. Great, yeah, fantastic. You know, as they get old, you're less important. I, I was saying to someone last night, when you get older, kids, so my daughter's 21 now. Your job is to remind them that you still exist. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> things change a little bit, but it's all good. Yeah. All right, I've got to go crack the whip, Bevan. Make sure Dr. Feel Good Dave Dwan is uh, packing up and uh, maybe get Phil to make me some more bacon and eggs. Oh, good times. Right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Uno. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. <laughs>